Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 109. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Sandy, you're there. <laughs> I'm here. How you doing great, today? Great. I'm here too. What's <laughs> new with you? <clears throat> What's new? We're, um, you know, just working towards a busy year. I think, uh, as we've mentioned probably on the past couple episodes, we're, uh, early part of 2020, getting into a busy season, I think for at least in our area, across the Toronto, greater Toronto area. It's hot, right, Rob? There's a lot of action, a lot of, uh, a lot of inventory is tight. So there's a lot of buyers out there looking to get into investment properties, I think. There is, and we haven't had much luck lately on my end anyways. Like, been We're teaching others, a lot We're teaching of others too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Competition. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, hot, is maybe a word for the market, but not the weather. Because you were just <laughs> mentioning you got back from Texas yesterday. I just got back from Costa Rica, and it is it is a drastic change of of, uh, <laughs> of the amount of clothing you have to wear. Yeah, it's you know at this well where we have been, we've had a really. It's not been very cold, really. It's, we shouldn't complain, but it is uh, colder than where we've been. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're wearing a big sweater, so <laughs> feels cold today. Commenting on that before the show, that is one big sweater. Well, it's got the neck thing and everything, right? You know yeah. what, though, I think um, I think it's having uh, it, the weather hasn't been that cold really where we are at least this year, and it's leading towards a whether we like it or not. Weather makes a bit of an impact on the market here, at least in Hamilton, it does. It, it's uh, it's a quick early start to the season, it seems. To the spring yeah season. yeah i would agree too it's been uh quite a bit busier for me as well than it normally is at this time of year anyways so uh what do we gotta what do we gotta tell everybody where should they go what should they do well they should uh go over to breakthroughraipodcast.ca uh there you can grab our free report the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate and that will not only give you that report it'll also get you on our email list uh it'll make sure that you're being uh being uh, caught up to date on everything we're doing, which is our latest episodes of the show, uh, property tours, seminars, webinars, events, all that sort of stuff. So go on and grab that and uh, make sure you don't miss out on anything. Super as well. Everyone should go on over to iTunes. Let us know what you think, right? It's a rating and review. If you would, please let us know what you like about the show. We really would appreciate everybody's feedback as it'll help us improve the, keep on making improvements. So we've made some improvements and we've got some great guests uh, lined up like the one we have today. Super excited to introduce her in a few minutes, but uh, yeah, 
uh, as well. Is there anything else they can do on iTunes? This is can subscribe to the show there. You should subscribe. How about subscribe. That? subscribe. We never say subscribe. <laughs> subscribe to the show. That way you'll uh, know when new episodes come out as well. You get notifications. There, I'll start. We'll start uh, reminding everyone to do that as well every every show. Hundred nine times to finally figured it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else? Well, not really. I mean, I just picked up a, a new place to add a basement suite to. So, but we can talk about that next time. I haven't actually closed on it yet. So, next time we do a show, I think it'll be closed. So, I'm I'm pumped though. Cool. So you can let us through. Maybe take us through uh, the process as we go over the next. What's it gonna take? Six months? Four to six months? Oh, geez, I hope not. Well, to close it, you're still waiting to close, right? And then, yeah, close in like two weeks. Oh, okay. So yeah. a few months. Yeah. <clears throat> quick one. How to get it done quick. And where is that? Peterborough? No, it's in Oshawa, this one. Oshawa, nice. So you're, mm-hmm. so it is still possible to pick up it's, the cash flowing yep. properties. In, oh, yeah. In markets. You can okay. do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, maybe we should get to our guest. Right on. Let's do it. I'm sure. Um, well, well, let's welcome Edna Keep to the show. Welcome, Edna. Welcome. I'll, I'll get Thank a, you so much, guys. It's- awesome. I'll get a, a, an intro in here, and then you can add to it if you feel it's needed. But uh, Edna is a former certified financial planner. And uh, through that, she discovered the power of real estate in, in 2007. And since then, Edna and her husband, Warren, have amassed a 60 plus million dollar real estate portfolio, primarily multifamily. And primarily, they, she, they built that with other people's money, OPM. Since 2014, she has been training and coaching real estate entrepreneurs who want to scale their real estate business into multifamily with investor capital. And really happy to have her on the show. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure it's probably colder where you are because you're out in, a, in Saskatchewan. It's probably not as hot as we are here down in Toronto area. Is that right? It's a little cool today. It's a little cool. Yeah. yeah. Your sweater should be bigger than Sandy's then. And not with... I didn't come back from Texas or Costa Rica yet, so I'm I'm acclimatized. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yes, welcome. Thank you for being here again. We're really looking forward to this. My pleasure. Did you have anything to add to the intro? Why don't you tell us a little bit about, I guess, yourself personally? Okay. Well, um, I, I I was a single mom at age 16, so I kind of always like to start there because... Um, I think that that uh, made me into the person I am today. You know, that's a pretty challenging thing to do. And uh, I think your challenges make you stronger. And uh, we, I, you know, struggled with just different kind of admin type jobs and stuff until I got into being a financial advisor. Love the work, love the social aspect. I love advising people and telling people what to do. You know how those uh, things that you get a heck for in school when you're young come back to uh, actually make you a winner in the long run, you know, the talking too much and socializing too much (laughs) ends up being my strength. Um, but uh, as a financial advisor, I did really well. I was making probably on average about 250000 a year. And, and I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't plan on quitting. Um, didn't enjoy the ups and downs of the market. But I mean, that's all part of it, right? Uh, but when I was introduced to real estate and I really understood the power of it, I couldn't even... I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore. That's basically what I considered it. Not after a fact, not, not just financial advice, but selling mutual funds. So within two years of being introduced to real estate, I, um, I sold my practice and uh, the rest is history. And, you know, a lot of people uh, think and are intimidated by financial advisors. 
um, because they actually think we understand real estate, that we understand all financial components. Absolutely did not have a clue. When people used to come in and talk to me about possibly investing in real estate, I would say this, and I bet you every advisor out there still does, or most of them. Oh my gosh, why would you invest in an asset class that just grows by about 3% a year? <laughs> you know, I didn't understand mortgage pay down, tenants paying uh, properties off, different stuff like that. Just, did, just didn't have my head wrapped around it at all. Well, um, I mean, also, you know, you're there to sell your products that you offer, right? So, so you know, if you're not, you're going to lose the business of that customer possibly if you go, yeah, of course, real estate. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, not to say that the things that you were selling were, were, you know, not good, but at the same time, it's like, especially when you don't understand what real estate is, you know, you can't really advise on that. You can advise on the things that you know about that you're selling, you know, through your company. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just exactly what you're trained on too. You know, we were only trained on uh, mutual funds by the mutual fund companies. So that was our only focus. So you talked about discovering real estate at a certain point. How did that happen? You know what? It was actually by one of my clients. Uh, they had been telling me that they went to a Robert Kiyosaki evening and then a three-day event. And uh, they, they told me how much they enjoyed it. Although they did tell me, you know, they're going to try to sell you on taking their programs and they make it really cold in the building so that your resistance works <laughs> down. All these things, right? So we went in well armed with what we weren't going to do, right? But you know, it really made sense to me, even the first evening when they started talking about it. And, and then at the end of the three-day event, we knew, we absolutely knew then that uh, it was something we wanted to explore. We figured, you know, if we went big time, which we started thinking right away, because they kind of get you dreaming, we'd own 50 doors in, I don't know, 10, 20 years, we didn't even care. We thought 50 doors, that would just be the icing on the cake. That would give us about 5,000 a month in cash flow. That's what we were taught. And uh, we thought, well, that'll just give us, you know, all the gravy we need over and above what we're already making. We didn't intend on leaving what we were doing full time. Uh, so yeah, that was our, our goal at the end of that 50 doors. And you know what? We hit that goal in 18 months. Wow. Uh, 5,000 a month in cash, cash flow in 18 months. And that's when I knew I had to sell my practice and do more with this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, it didn't take you long. So yeah, I guess we'll get into how you like f fired yourself up like that in a minute, but um, let's just talk about the strategy that you use to get there. I guess what is, what, what's, what's your favorite strategy in real estate? Well, my favorite strategy is long-term buy and hold, but what we like to do is buy undervalued properties where we can increase rent, uh, reduce a vacancy, reduce expenses, different stuff like that, really increase the value of a building. And if we can refinance and pull out all of our money out quickly, um, that, that's, a, that's an ideal and that's a home run situation. But we've even bought turnkey properties where, you know, it's just a good long-term strategy. Um, we've, we've been RAIN members since 2007. And one thing that Don Campbell, uh, that really resonated with me that he said was most of our deals have been average deals. They haven't been home runs and that's where your long-term wealth is built. The, you know, the nice big paydays every once in a while are really sweet, but an average deal still works. So 
that that's kind of our premise. So long-term buy and hold, definitely. But you know, in the beginning when we started, because you're introduced to so many concepts and strategies, we tried everything. And we were actually inducted into Robert Kiyosaki's Hall of Fame uh, in front of 3,000 convention attendees, uh, number one in the group, um, small town Saskatchewan people compared to everyone else because of what we'd been able to accomplish in our first 18 months and all the strategies that we used that we learned through them. That is a hot start. That's a lot to do in, uh, in, in uh, just getting going there. What were some, let's talk about some challenges with it then. And, um, and obviously I'm, I'm sure you had to come up with some, some obstacles that were in the way there and uh, you know, raising money maybe, or, or, or anything like that. What were some challenges that you faced starting out and then take us through how you were able to overcome those, uh, those challenges? Because I was a, still a financial advisor when I first started, I couldn't actually raise capital because I was still selling mutual funds. But I, I met, um, uh, I, I got a coach uh, and I was working with a coach right from day one. It was part of the package that I bought through Robert Kiyosaki. And she hosted a dinner one night and I met a couple that somebody had been talking about at our three-day weekend, all weekend. They were friends of theirs. Oh, they had 20 houses already. They took this course two years ago and that's why they were there and stuff like that. So we met them, found out that, yeah, they had 20 houses and they were property managing in themselves. And uh, the one had given up the job. I think the other one was still working a job uh, and they had these big goals. Well, you know, we just connected with them. And they, they took a lot of our fear away. You know, we had a lot of fear of tenants and toilets and, and that kind of stuff. I was never fearful of the money part of it because I'd, I'd raised a lot of capital before, but I didn't understand the areas in our city. I didn't understand like the whole tenant profile. I didn't understand any of that. So they would take us to houses to look at and we'd go, oh, wow, this is like kind of gross. And they'd go, you're not going to be living here at night. Like this is for a tenant. We can get $1,000 a month at this house. And we're paying like $200,000 or $150,000 for it. So anyway, so that, that helped us take the fear away. Um, plus they were property managers. So that was something that we didn't have time to do right from the beginning. We were too busy with our own work. Um, so we actually partnered with them on a few purchases and that is really what helped us kickstart because yeah, we were just so scared of everything. And so maybe, um, maybe in the beginning would be good to know what, what were you, what was your pitch to these investors that you were working with? How did you, how did you set up the deal? I'm sure you've learned some things over, over the years and how to structure them and who does what and all that. What were you, what were you doing at the beginning? Were you, were you like putting in that property management component as a, something you were going to do or was that always something you set the expectation that was going to be, you know, outsourced to someone else or what did, what did that all look like with your initial purchases? Always, always outsourced it, always outsourced it um, and paid for it as well. Because we always say, you know, even when you're analyzing a property, even if you know you're going to property manage it yourself at the beginning, which some of my students choose to do because, you know, they want to save the money or make the money themselves because they want to go full time, sometimes just to learn and understand the whole aspects of property management. But we knew right from the beginning, we did not want to do that. Um, and to this day, I think that that attitude going in is what helped us to grow really quickly, because we never ever once we owned a building, we never went into it. You know, we did our we had our team that did quarterly inspections, we had our team that 
uh, looked after all the properties uh, and and we we just didn't do that. We watched the bottom line and uh, and we grew and we grew and uh, that was one of the things I noticed with people. We'd go back to you know conventions and meet the same people that had taken the same classes we did, and they'd all be stuck like at maybe four doors stuff like that. And we'd find out, well, you know, what, what got you stuck there? Oh my gosh, I don't even think I could handle anymore. I got tenant calling and, and uh, you know, I'm property managing and I got to put tenants in and I do all, I go fix the toilets. And that's, we re that's when we really realized was kind of after the fact that that's what helped us scale is we did not focus on that at all at the beginning. So, yeah, you mentioned that's how, how you ended up scaling it was outsourcing that. I'm sure you outsourced some, some other things. Um, 520 doors. Is that about right currently? Yeah. So obviously it scaled up pretty big. Is there, what were some other keys to doing that? How did you get there? Um, along the way, I'm sure there were some challenges with that as well as, as it got bigger. Oh, you know what we're finding? Yes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're actually downsizing in certain areas right now because of that, because yeah, you're right. The, the fun part for me in real estate is the acquiring, uh, acquiring the buildings, acquiring the investors, uh, I usually kind of oversee everything for about the first year to get everything running smoothly because I'm also very good at systems. Um, but then once that's all done, I lose interest in the in the project. I just, you know, from there, my team has got to manage it. And I don't want to be the one telling them, you know, to check the price of toilets. And like, I, I, I got to have the right team in place to do that. One of the errors we made uh, probably about six years ago is... I, I like before that we were bring, we were working with managing partners all the time. So the managing partner would have an ownership position. Us as the people who raised the capital would have an ownership position, and then uh, then the investors would have their position. And at one point I thought, well, geez, why am I raising all this money for other people? I could just manage it myself. How hard can it be? And you know that that was our biggest mistake. It it's it stunted our it, it didn't totally stunt our growth because I learned very quickly after we owned those two properties that we didn't want to do it anymore. So we like to have managing partners on every single deal too. And I think having a managing partner whose eye they you know they might not be able to find the deal. They might not be able to create the deal because lots of times I think you create the deal. You don't just find it. Um, might not be able to find the investors, but they're great at running the building on a day-to-day -day basis. So that, that was another key strategy we used as managing partners. So let's talk about, let's talk about where and when the changes to the business took place. So you started out, you're just, uh, you know, like pretty much anyone else that starts out, uh, me, Sandy, whoever, you go out, buy a couple places and you were managing them yourself or whatnot. Or you started out right from the beginning, not managing. We had people mm -hmm. managing for us. Right yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Other than the very first two condos that we owned, uh, probably we managed those for the first three, four months before we ended up with a managing partner. Okay. So you figured out right away that that wasn't your thing. You wanted to move on and, and do the acquisition thing. And then, okay, so now you had to grow from there. So at what point did you start bringing on team members and, and having the uh, managing partners and that kind of thing? Our very first apartment building, we had a managing partner with. So we bought a few houses on our own. We always hired out property management, a few condos. But um, at the, so we started in September of 2007. At the end of 2008, 2009, uh, I was in a meeting with a realtor and I was telling him that we wanted to expand and grow our portfolio and get some more houses. 
And he said, Ed, why don't you buy an apartment building if you want to buy that many houses? And I was like the typical person. Oh, I can't do an apartment building yet. I don't even have 10 houses. Like, you know, <laughs> Monopoly rules. And he said, no, no, you can. Because um, I got to know him a little bit. And he knew we had good incomes from what we were doing, that we had good net worth, stuff like that. So he said, you can't. You could definitely buy an apartment building. So um, we started talking. We I must sat there and just kind of got ran through the scenarios with them. And they were actually in the process right then of condo converting apartment buildings. So he talked to us about that. I could see the value in that. And I said, Hey, do you have anything that's available right now? And he says, as a matter of fact, I have a 24 unit. I just uh, listed uh, yesterday or that day or whatever. I don't even think it was actually on MLS yet. And I said, okay, well, what would it take to get that building? He said, well, you know, with a market like it is today, a very hot market, kind of what you guys are going through right now, and you guys all relate to this, you're going to have to offer asking price. So I said, okay, write it up. And he said, well, do you want to go see the building? And I said, well, you told me earlier that they wouldn't let me in to see the building till I had, uh, till I had the offer. And he says, well, you could drive by it. And so I said, okay, you write it up. I'll go drive by it. So he wrote it up. I drove by it. It was not too far away. I drove back and signed it. And uh, that was our first 24 unit. It took us about six months to close on it because we ended up uh, our first lender that we talked about. We talked to local lenders and they just weren't willing to give us very much uh, for financing because the, the rents were terrible at this place. They were, we paid 75,000 a door and the rents were $425. And, and the average rents at that time in our city were between 800 and 1,000. So we knew we could almost double our rents as soon as we took possession. But you know, these guys had owned the building for a really long time and they, they were scared of us. Like they thought we were so aggressive and they, they wouldn't do a vendor take back because they thought, oh, we're gonna lose all their tenants, all this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> we, asked, we asked for a vendor take back. And um, we were working on financing, couldn't get anything decent locally. So we ended up working with an American firm who was you know, quite interested in financing at a higher rate. And then with all the financial crisis that was happening, remember back in 08, 09, all of a sudden, we couldn't even reach them. There was no, uh, you know, up until the day before, yeah, you should get your term sheet tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And then all of a sudden silence and here their whole lending firm shut down. So we ended up, did get a vendor take back. Uh, and then we raised some capital with different, um, different investors. The first one, we just paid straight interest on it. So we were paying a, a high interest rate, 20%. Because um, we could oh. see the value and you know, if we converted these properties, because we we're paying 75,000 a door and we're, our plan was to sell them out between 125 and 140 a door, because that's what was happening in the market at the time. We were one of the last buildings to get allowed to be condo converted, but we did do that. So, so in the long run, our investors made really good money on that, but we didn't. Uh, we wish we would have just kept that building at $75,000 a door. So, you know, things oh, yeah. like that kind of bring you back to your long-term buy and hold strategy. But at the time, we were just more focused on the money we could make. No, that's great. All good information, very much. Um, so, so at this point then, I'm guessing right around this point is where you decided to restructure your business and bring on some people and change the way you did things. I'm very curious about this though, because I like, I mean, I, I feel like I've sort of had a, a, a slow growth, much slower than, you know, it could be if I focused, I guess, more. 
and had a and had a good idea of how to structure things. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm prying on this uh, piece here. Is um, I'm very interested in how it looks. Okay. Well, you know what? Remember, I said that we'd met this couple at a at a dinner. Well, we bought a few houses with them. Uh, and they knew what they were doing. They were buying houses in these specific areas. They're staying away from these areas. So we got some really good cash flowing properties. We did a couple rent to owns and 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 stuff like that. And and it was smoking along really good. And um, when I was presented with the, with the apartment building opportunity, they were actually away that weekend. So when they came back, I, I when they landed on the plane. I was texting them. I knew what time. Said, "Come over. I have something to tell you." So they said, "Hey, if we bought a 24 unit apartment building, would you guys be the managing partner?" I said, "We can qualify net worth. Uh, I can refer some people to you to raise the capital because again, I couldn't do it myself." And I said, I, "I'm pretty sure." They said. Absolutely. They said, we, we just said, we, they were at a personal development and, and real estate conference. They just set a goal to grow uh, their business by, um, I think it was 30 doors in the next year, that one apartment building. So when they landed, they were handed a 24 unit building. But we said, you know, we, we're, we can acquire it, we can help with the capital, but we don't know what to do with it once we own it. Oh, we can look after that. We got the maintenance guys. We got the property management, and and that was that was our our deal there. So, partnering up with somebody who knew that side of things took all, took a lot of the fear away from us. Okay, okay, great. And that's basically the way that it's structured still to this day. Basically, yeah. What what we do is actually the first um, after after we kind of parted ways with those guys, um, we we started bringing in other managing partners. Uh, we we just some of the things that they were doing we didn't really like. Uh, they I, we felt like they just weren't, uh, and our accountants did too that they weren't on top of really managing the financing side of it. So we got a little scared on that side. Um, but then I had other students that we'd taken the same classes with uh, approached us with a deal, and they said, you know, we got this deal under contract. Give me all the numbers on it, and they said, we will give you sixty five percent of the deal. We want to keep. Uh, no, we'll give you 75% of the deal for raising the capital for it because we'd already had success doing it. So I, I raised the capital. I kept 10% of that deal myself, gave 65% of the investors and 25% they kept. Well, I learned my lesson very quickly there. So after that, it was, I got 30, they got 30 and our investors generally got 40%. Um, the next deal after that was 144 units, same, same couple father-daughter team actually and they brought us 144 units in Laurent, Saskatchewan. For you guys that might equate to like even north of Thunder Bay if you know what I mean like it's way north in Saskatchewan population 3,000 mostly rentals um, very little homeowners there and if they were they were like the camping fishing chemical mine type people Um, but most people wouldn't build in the area because there was no real value there. So we bought that apartment building at 40,000 a door. Again, they were managing partners. I raised all the capital, $1.2 million, and they were 30% ownership. We were 30% ownership. This was one of our home runs. Uh, So we were able to, within 30 months, increase the value of that property from four, I think we paid 4.5 to 6.5, pulled all the capital out, paid all the investors back, got a $400,000 payday ourselves each. And that was in a tax-free loan because it was uh, refinancing. 
paid the investors back actually even more than they put in and then continued to cash flow that property. We still own it to this day. And so it's a little bit less lucrative right now because Chemical Mine um, closed down, uh, but still doing very, very well. And uh, that, so that one got us really excited to work with this, this new partnership. And as uh, so we probably went on and bought, I don't know, four or six more properties with them. And in that time frame is when we decided, well, we'll be smart and do our own, do our own thing. And that was when I realized again, no, I don't like that side of things. I just want to, I want to have managing partners all along the way. Wow. What a great story. I love that. It was a wonderful one. It's still our braggadocious one, but you know what happened and it happened in 2012. Um, or I should say, yeah, we purchased it in 2012, November, uh, May of 2015 is when we paid our investors out 100%. When they got their money back, they reinvested. We bought two more buildings, one in Regina and one in Saskatoon. Um, but yeah, and then and still managing partners, different managing partners because everybody has a different way of doing things. Uh, that particular partner, the the father had a heart attack and stepped back, and the hus husband that wasn't in the picture stepped up, and you know, like so, start start having challenges that we felt we didn't sign up for. So we still kept everything with them, but we've gone on and, and, and actually most of my managing partners right now are students of mine. Yeah. So you've mentioned students a couple of times. You've mentioned the network that you've been able to create through, uh, through your courses and whatnot. So why don't you share, um, tell us that you've got an online course and you've also got a live event coming up, right? Yeah. So I have a course, I call it 90 days to 5k. And the premise behind it is that in 90 days, you're going to know exactly what it takes for you to be making 5,000 a month in um, cash flow. Uh, and you'll probably be able to do it uh, in under three years. We did it in 18 months, you know, so we, we, you know, some people have some mindset issues they got to get over. Sometimes it takes them a little bit longer. Um, but generally the ones who actually take the course and do it, they can make that purchase. I've had some as quick as six months making their, making their first apartment building purchase with all other people's money and stuff like that. So, um, and, and the reason I call it 90 days to 5k is that was our goal. You know, we wanted to make 5,000 a month. We thought if we could hit that goal, then from there we could decide if we wanted to go on or just, just leave it. Um, and it, and it works really well. It's all online based. So the, the membership section they get access to, there's online live Zoom calls, similar to what we're doing with uh, all the students on there, uh, networking with each other. A lot of times they're funding each other's deals. I just, I just find that so exciting because, you know, sometimes there's a lot of people that come in that have the money to do a deal but they just don't have the expertise. And I really encourage them to partner up with somebody who does have the expertise because then that takes their fear away. So their first one might be a partnership. Well, then they're off to the races doing the same thing because you know, when we're setting up partnerships like that with investors, those investors are joint venture partners with us. So I think it's really powerful if you were first a joint venture partner on the other side of the table. You know, because then you can speak from both sides. You know, I know as a joint venture partner, this is what I was looking for. So this is what I'll deliver to you when you become my joint venture partner. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I really like the idea and how you came up with the 5K, uh, 90 days to 5K name. How yeah. would people 
uh, find out more about this or sign up for it? Uh, I, I prefer to do a strategy call with people before they sign up for it because there's a commitment there and I, and I look to make sure that uh, I, I really want success stories and sometimes mm -hmm. they're not ready. Most times people who are ready to come to me have already bought a few properties, maybe own a couple duplexes, couple fourplexes, and they've hit that ceiling where they either can't get any more mortgages or they realize in order to scale, they got to learn more creative ways to finance vendor finance, bring investor capital in. That's my sweet spot. That's where I can really help people. I don't take the brand new beginner and help them buy their first house. I just don't. It's not, not what I'm, I'm good at. I'm, I'm excited about apartment buildings and I like to help people take what they already have a, a working knowledge of and scale it. So, so that's, the, that's the idea behind the course. They can reach out to me at my email address is edna at ednakeek.com. My website is ednakeep.com. And if they want to follow me uh, on Facebook, I do free coaching Fridays, real estate coaching Fridays, uh, every Friday at, at um, 10 a.m. my time. Uh, and Mindset Mondays, because I also believe that mindset is 90% of your success. A lot of people, when you ask them, why haven't you bought a building yet? It's, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. And yet I see people out there racing around, taking this course and that course and learning more and, and doing this and doing that, but they don't work on what's happening right here. So they never actually ever pull the trigger. I am really good at helping people pull the trigger. When I know they're ready, there's no excuse for not pulling the trigger. And uh, so I, on my coaching, the free coaching, it's uh, just Facebook uh, coach Edna Keep. Yeah. And I've started to get your emails recently too. And I love those mindset Monday ones. Thank you. It yeah. is very important. It's so important. And so many people, so many people don't get that, but I see it as holding so many people back. And if they could, you know, and if they could just get that one big deal done, they'd be off to the races because they realize that it's not as intimidating as, as it needs to be, but they need somebody to hold their hand because there's lots of stuff that can, that can go wrong. Um, and you don't want something to go wrong on a big deal. But if you got that in your corner, you got somebody to walk you through it, uh, it, it absolutely can happen. Well, let's dig a little deeper into mindset. But first, I do want to mention, you said you've got the three-day live event coming up. When, when is that? Yes. So um, uh, March 23rd, 24th, and 25th, right here in Regina, Saskatchewan. I uh, rent a big hotel and I have uh, speakers from all over Canada and US. Uh, and we focus on mindset and real estate strategies. Uh, different, sometimes there's different money-making strategies. This year I have, uh, we bought a online automated Amazon store. And so I have the guy who sold that to me coming to speak about that. I call that my digital real estate because what I like about that one is they do they do all the work for you. Other than you setting it up, they, they do all the work for 30% profits, you get 70%. So it's kind of one of those passive income things, which, uh, which, which we like uh, and don't often get with our real estate. It's still too active. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's coming up. There's, there's usually a really good crowd. I give uh, my, it's, I always feel like for my students, especially, it's a really, really great work uh, way to network with each other. And, um, just it, it happens just about every year, but last year uh, there was a story I want to share with you. This one young fellow on my uh, in my program had uh, was going through the whole buying process during the the 
course and talking about it on our live calls. And um, he came to the event and I set up uh, one time where it's like a, a, on Tuesday afternoon, I have a Dragon's Den panel, but just for real estate. And it's usually the speakers on stage. So the sophisticated investors and the students get to pitch them their deal. And uh, this last time, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a dragon that took the deal, but it was uh, two audience members who actually were fellow students of his who listened to his whole story about how he found it, how he negotiated it, the challenges he had with it, and all this kind of stuff. They, so they cornered him at the event because they had not met him yet face to face and said, hey, we want to fund your deal. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Cool. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. Do you do you happen to record these by any chance? You know what? I don't. I I've I've often thought of the live streaming, but you know what? I think that getting in the room with like-minded people is so important. Like I I record the testimonials and I take lots of pictures. Um, I could send you a link of the testimonials. I get everybody on, at the end of the at end of the last day. I take about an hour and try to get everybody on stage for a minute or two, just saying what they got out of the event. I just get amazing testimonials. And, and one of the things that I hear frequently, it's not just the quality of the speakers and stuff and what they learned, but it's the quality of the other attendees. So many are taking action. And, and I really do attribute that to, to my training them on their mindset. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about mindset. How you, it's obviously very important to you. I believe it's important, but why don't you explain just how important you think it is in real estate business? Well, you, you know what? There's so many things that can go wrong in real estate. You know, there's so much there and there's challenges. Every single deal that you do, even if you think it's cookie cutter going to be exactly the same as the last deal, there's always something that's different. It, there's whether it's rule changes at CMHC or your lender changes or, or government changes or like there's always something you got to be able to deal with that stuff and roll with it. Not think, oh, roadblock, done deal, you know, stuff like that. Uh, people have to realize that there, there's a learning curve. There definitely is. But once you learn it, if you're not pulling the trigger and making that deal happen, it's 100% right here. Because once you know it, it's not, I can't find a deal. It's not, I can't find the right deal. It's, you're not doing whatever it takes to make that deal. Because lots of times you've got to create the deal. Can I tell you about one of my success stories from just outside of Toronto? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think the place is called Port Hope. Uh, the student's name is Katera. She's actually a realtor. But she came to me because she wanted to um, uh, buy a multifamily property. And I remember on the strategy call I did with her, I said to her, you know, lots of times people are buying buildings before they're even done my course. And she said, other people, not me. Yeah, no, I need to learn everything. I move a little slower than that. You know what? She bought, she started with me in June. She's busy. So she didn't get the course all completed. I think she's on module eight. And she closed her first building in December. That building, and, and she, she got her mindset wrapped around it. She bought it with um, some of her own money, but 80% of it was vendor take back. She, because this property needs some work. So she, she uh, had her boyfriend, I believe is her renovating guy. Um, and so she wasn't scared to take that part on. So she bought it and ah, 
14 months or so, she should be able to pull 600 grand out of that deal. And she was one that told me, oh yeah, no, not me. Not, no, not that fast. <laughs> and I just, I tease her. And I've actually got a, I got a recording of her testimonial talking about how she just did not think that she'd be able to do it that quick. Funny. That's I like, amazing. I like how this is going. Mm. A lot of mindset are obstacles for people to overcome, right? It's a big thing. Um, one other thing I realized around mindset that I think you're very, sounds like you're very clear on, which I think is cool is the fact that you don't, you have, you do not want to be a managing partner at all. You, you, you seem to have noticed, you seem to have found out where you, where you can add value and what you enjoy in this process of buying, buying real estate. So I think, um, some people get into this and they want to do it all, or they think they need to do it all. And they end up getting a little overwhelmed perhaps, or they, or they just don't enjoy it right after a while. Yeah. I, I've noticed that in certain aspects of what we do too. There's certain things that aren't for everyone and you just don't enjoy. You seem really clear on that and, and, and the things that you actually enjoy in this business. And, and that's what you're focusing on, right. And leveraging out the rest. How did you, how did you get clear on that and get clarity? And uh, was that simple or what was that process like? You know what? I am such a big believer in mindset that I actually train all the time myself with my own mindset coach and I've changed them over the years, but I, I'm studying it all the time. And, and the, the clear, your number one goal is really to be happy in life. It is. And if you're dragged down by doing crap that you hate to do, you're not going to enjoy your life. So I'm always looking for ways to, get to do just what I love to do. Like I love doing podcasts. I love sharing my knowledge with other people. Um, I'm more of a talker than a listener. Uh, so when, when people coach with me, it's, there's not a whole lot of blabbing going on. It's, this is what you need to do. Go do it. And if they come back to me and it's not done, it's like, why are you talking to me? You know what needs to be done. Well, I'm having a block. Okay, let's talk through that block. So in 90% of the time, guys, it's mindset stuff. And, and like I said, that's where I've really focused on. And I focus on it more and more all the time because, um, I, you know, I looked back, like, why are some of my students having, like, amazing success and other ones sometimes don't even finish the course? And most of the time, if they're not finishing the courses, they found a new shiny object to chase. So I, that's why I like to have a strategy call with people. I want people who have played around in that pool for a while, and now they know they just want to learn how to dive, and I can teach them that thing, that thing, that buying those multifamily properties with investor capital. You marry the two with the help, and I'll handhold you right from the start to finish of buying your deal. Um, Katera, for example, I actually happened to be uh, in Las Vegas on a family trip, the last week before she was closing and she had different things that come up and she said, Oh, and I hate to bother you on your holiday, but I really need to talk to you. Absolutely. Can't talk when I'm in the casino, but when I get back to my brother's place, so there's just, and it was, sometimes it was like a five minute question, five second question. Yep. This is the answer. Okay. And then she'll go do it. Oh, well, now I have this come back. And you know that when I'm working with a student, that's the working on a live deal, there's never a don't call me. Unless it's, don't call me because you didn't do what I told you to do. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And that's why I think the actions happen. The students are having more and more success all the, success all the time because I, I see those mindset blocks that they're having and I can talk them through them because I, I've been there and I've talked to a lot of people through those mindset blocks. <clears throat> and that gives them the confidence to go forward, uh, of it course, with your support, right? Absolutely. 
Uh, where do you see things going? I was just going to say one oh, more yeah. thing. You can take education till the cows come home. Course after course after course after course after course. But until you actually pull the trigger and buy that building, you'll still feel like you don't know anything. Absolutely. And I, I jokingly say um, quite often on the show that uh, I think I've set a time limit. Is it, is it three months or what did I say? I, I can't remember. It should be three months if, I, if that's not what I said. But I basically gave new people to the show three months to get their education together and then they got to go buy something. And good for you. That, that's a really good time frame because you know what? You know what you need to know in three months if you're actually doing the work people are teaching you, you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to take three years. And, and you, oft, you often, you know, people invest in so many different things or they go to so many courses and it's like, <clears throat> you can learn as much or more just by doing something. And, you know, absolutely, education is fantastic. Education is amazing. And spending tens of thousands of dollars on a course, you could go, you could go invest in something and perhaps even lose a little bit of money and still be coming out ahead. Uh, because ultimately, if you're buying for long term with real estate, you're you're gonna generally come around at some point. It's just, and you can make better purchases, obviously. But making a mistake generally does not cost you tens and tens of thousands. Um, and you're gonna and you're gonna learn a lot to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to take action eventually. You got to take action. Well, the more more action you take, the more you're gonna, the more that you're gonna learn, the more you're gonna grow. <clears throat> Where are things going for the future for you, Edna? What's uh, yeah? It sounds like you got some interesting stuff coming up, a REIT and things like that. What what's yeah. going on there? Yeah. So um, kind of our exit strategy, so that we get less and less management, and I get to do more and more what I love to do, is we've set up our own REIT. Just opened in January. Haven't even bought our first uh, purchase. We've raised. 750,000 and by within the next week, there should be another 500,000 added in. Uh, so that, that allow us to buy our first purchase with cash. We're buying in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, 25, 30,000 a door guys. I'm taking a group of investors and students to Memphis when we go in May, because there's also opportunities for people to look at those properties along with our power team, our realtors, our mortgage brokers, uh, that sort of thing, and look at some smaller units because we, we ultimately want to focus on the larger units. So our, ultimately, we want to be purchasing like 100, 200, 500 doors at a time uh, in, the, in those price ranges. And um, I've got a team lined up where I get to do my sweet spot, which is sharing that with people. And, uh, and I love sales. So selling people on the idea and then, uh, and helping my students out at the same time by learning about how they can, of course, build the same, same thing eventually. Um, so that, that's one big thing that's coming up. Uh, the online Amazon store, I'm very excited about because again, it's passive for us. We're just giving them money and they're going to look after it. Um, you never know how that's going to turn out, but I've, found a group that's uh, got a very good track record. And then one other thing that we're actually looking at, and this might be um, a purchase along with one of our students, is uh, 40, um, 40 unit package uh, rentals in a, in a smaller northern town, uh, along with uh, actually a dollar store. Like I never ever believed that I would own a dollar store, never hardly ever walk into one. My kids love it because they're always buying their little knickknacks from there. But when I found out the, um, how lucrative it is, yeah, we're looking at that. So yeah, we always got a lot of things on the go. And, and at the same time, we're letting things go. We, we're putting a couple of buildings on the block and, and getting out of the, the management side that we've been 
in for six years too long. <laughs> so that's going to free up a lot of brain space. Um, but yeah, we're really, really excited about that move forward too. Oh, that sounds amazing too. Um, now you mentioned that you were going to be the Memphis uh, investments were going to be all cash. What's the reasoning behind that? Is that because it's difficult to get the financing or is the financing going to come after you clean up the building? Like what's the deal? Yeah, that's the plan. Whenever we can, we like to pay, pay cash or, or sometimes it's a bridge loan. When we were doing it personally, it was mostly a bridge loan or vendor financing that carried us till we got our building fully um, optimized for, for optimized financing. We'll do the same thing with this purchase. Our first one that we've got, um, I'm still not even 100% sure if it's finalized under contract, but we got the offer in, is a 22-unit building that you know, we, we feel we can turn around and make the fund like 500,000 within, uh, within a couple of years, just on that one small building alone. Is, is Memphis, is that the focus of it? Is it <clears throat> nationwide? Is it continent wide or where, yeah, what's the. Right now. Uh, our, um, our acquisitions partner has been working actually for another REIT and they've done all the purchasing they can in that area. Just with REITs, they have rules on how much you can own in every area and they're, they're past they're, they're, at their capacity. Um, so he's found uh, a bunch of other ones that, uh, that uh, are good buying opportunities for us. So that's, that's kind of how we decided on the REIT to partner with these two specific guys is um, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't want to be on the capital raising side, but me and the other partner do. We know the people with the money and he's got the, he's got the deals and he's got the teams built in those areas already because of the other acquisitions that he did there. So uh, yeah, we feel like we're going in with a really strong uh, team. How, how anyone can learn about, about that, I guess we're going to throw the links in the pot in the, in the show notes here, but um, they want to learn about that too. They can reach out to you, uh, I guess, if they're interested in, in REIT information. Yes, and the REIT, just so you know, is for accredited investors only right now. We're mm. not set up to do registered plans or, um, or just anybody. So it's a minimum 50,000 investment and it has to be an accredited investor. Um, that, that might change over the future. We have done offering memorandums and stuff like that in the past. So we do know the process, but it's quite expensive. So we need to get a track record first before we open up to, to stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, if you know what, if they're interested in that, uh, I will just get them to email me at ednakeep.com because, or edna at ednakeep.com. Because um, right off the top of my head, it's so new. I don't even know the URL for our reach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, so is that going to be your, are all your other investments in Saskatchewan? Is this kind of the first endeavor outside of that? Or have you been around other provinces or states already? Mostly Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba. Although we have bought in the States before, we owned a 24 unit apartment building in Indiana, in Indianapolis that we actually bought through an auction on a credit card. Like we, we've done everything, you guys, we've done everything. It's amazing. Um, I, I wouldn't do that one again. <laughs> you know, it was kind of a, a emotional buy. Like really, we can buy a building with a credit card. <laughs> a 24 unit building with a credit card. Wow. That was back in the crisis time of, um, I think around 2009, it was after the first 24 unit we bought here and then yeah and it was through an auction so uh yeah we've done a little bit of everything i don't recommend that one. we ended up um just getting out of it and giving it to our partners because we thought it is too too long term of a buy and hold before it could the markets could turn around well what is what's one tip you could share with someone starting out we've already got a lot of tips from you here but what, what would be one major thing that you would recommend for someone who is a little bit novice or just getting going in this uh, in this world of investing 
two things, uh, get around like-minded people. That's so important even for your own psyche right here, because the average Joe out there, everything's too risky. You're crazy. Why would you do something like that? That's stupid. That's what you're hearing all the time. Get around people like you guys, your, your group, your podcast, people like us. We're saying, go for it. And that's, that's such a huge difference. People need to be around like-minded people. Um, and the second one is get a coach to help you because you, you can't learn everything. Uh, and why not take a shortcut? You know, like you, you kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, buy your first property and take your down payment and, and put it on a property and learn that way. I actually think you should take your first money and spend it on a coach. Cool. I think that's fair. I think that's fair for sure. I think that coach will help you take action ultimately. Um, yeah. And so really it's about taking action. So whether that's the coach or, um, you know, if you're, if you think you can do it on your own, I mean, maybe start, but I, I, I would, I would agree coach for almost anything in life is. You know what? Valuable. I have to agree. My experience is roughly the same as probably some of the ones that you've been talking about on the show. And that is just that, you know, in my first coaching course, I found one of my joint venture partners, right. And they helped on the second deal I ever did. Mm -hmm. So those relationships that formed plus the, the, um, uh, I guess accountability to go out and do something with what we are learning just really does help. It pushes you. So it's nice to know that they're studying the same thing you are, Mm -hmm. you know, our big thing with our first couple partners, they were studying the same thing we were. So we knew that they got it. You know, it wasn't like we had to reinvent the wheel with them. So you have a ton of drive. That's obvious just from listening to this podcast so far. Where do you get it from? Where you've done all these things, but where do you get the drive and motivation to go out and do them? You know, I, uh, I, I told you before that I was a single mom at the age 16. And I think some of it still stems back to that. You know, uh, it, it was, was, was not a positive experience. I got a lot of um, nasty people that I thought were my friends. I found out, yeah, were just talking about me. And I think there's still always this little drive uh, that I don't feel good enough. I got to do more, be more, have more, you know, it, it, and it's kind of maybe funny, but at the same time, I think everybody has a driver similar that they're trying from their past, prove something, prove something. Mm-hmm. A chip on your shoulder. <laughs> I'm going to show you, you wait. Well, that's good. You know, if, if there's something there that can help you get like, my goodness, what it's done for you. Look at that. <laughs> I don't recommend it. I have two teenage daughters. They're 17. Well, just about 18 and 16. I tell you, they were on the pill very early. It was like, I don't recommend a single mom. But you know what I do recommend to them? Because I got a, a girl that's graduating this year. 100% mindset. I have offered for both of them, instead of going to university, to just follow around like the Bob Proctors or the Tony Robbins for a year and Mm -hmm. be a volunteer and work for them and wrap your head around this first, then you can build a life making the money you want, doing exactly what you want to do, because I can't figure that out for you. And you can't figure it out when you're 18, but they can really help with what's up here. Um, I mean, we give them a good start, but I think that that is what's going to really help them way, way go beyond what we've ever been able to do. I understand that. And I agree with you. Um, but I bet their parents love that. Inf- I bet their parents love that. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. 
how can people, so we've talked about it already, but we're wrapping up here. So let's talk about it again. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, on Facebook, Coach Edna Keep, And uh, that's where I have my free stuff. And then if they want to check out my website, it's uh, ednakeep.com. And my email address is edna at ednakeep.com. Wonderful. Thank you very much for today. Awesome. I really appreciate everything you've shared. You're most welcome. Well, I, you know, I'm getting out to Ontario here in June. I'm coming to, to speak at an event in Ajax. So I'll make sure and let you guys know because I'd love to oh. meet you in person. Is that Durham REI? Uh, is it Durham REI? Is that, I can't, uh, uh, Gary Hibbert. Oh, Gary's. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Smart home choice. Cool. Smart yeah. home choices. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. So I'm going to be coming out in June. So uh, anybody wants to meet me there, come out to that event. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, 2893 or info, actually sandy at Great, great. And people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. Thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next time.